So anyway, I have a confession to make. I know what better place to make a confession than in church. But a couple of weeks ago, I was reminded of something yet again. And that is that I really don't like Halloween. I really don't. I mean, I'm totally fine if other people like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those pastors who think it's like the devil's, devil's holiday or anything like that. But my reason for disliking Halloween is very personal. It comes from an experience I had when I was 10 years old. Like every other kid in America, I was out trick-or-treating. And, and, and we came across a house that totally blew our mind. Because right there, by the front door, with the light on landing, was a huge basket full of bags of M&Ms. And above it was a sign saying, please take one bag each. (laughs) Happy Halloween. Well, you know, we were five ten-year-old boys who thought we had come across, you know, like, like miners for gold, we'd come across the, the mother load of candy. And so here we were, five, ten-year-olds with no adults watching, and we were on the horns of a dilemma. So, what do you think we did? <laughs> well, we took all the candy, of course, <laughs> and we ate it, and we went home. And ate it some more. (laughs) And then my friends went home, and I was stuck at home. And all of a sudden, this really strange feeling started to come over me. And it wasn't in my stomach. It was in my conscience. It was in my conscience. Because I felt incredibly bad about taking something that wasn't mine to take. I'm not sure I thought of myself exactly as a thief. That's kind of too strong. I was more upset because I I was just really starkly aware of the fact that I had, you know, taken advantage of those nice people who'd probably just gone out for dinner that night and left that candy. By the way, have any of you ever done that and thought that kids were not going to just rip you off entirely? So I felt bad, and I felt like we'd taken advantage of those, those adults. Also, we'd taken away all the other kids who were going to come later, their opportunity to have, have candy. Now, that feeling didn't make me go back to the house and return the candy, but it did give me a sense of gnawing and sadness and guilt. That has kind of stayed with me ever since. Which brings me to the Eighth Commandment in the Bible. You shall not steal. Now I realize we're at week nine in the sermon series and we're on the Eighth Commandment. That's because we thought the Eighth Commandment fits really well with the Tenth Commandment, which is what I'm going to be preaching on next week. But even so, who could disagree with the commandment, you shall not steal? It's kind of obvious, right? kind of obvious. Even so, when you look at all the ancient law codes that you find, that archaeologists or historians find, um, including the ancient Israelites, in every single law code, there's an injunction against stealing. But why, if it's so obvious? Why do you need to write it down? 
because clearly stealing is a problem. Always has been, and it still is. It happens all the time, and you know what? We all do it. Now, I don't mean by that that we'd all be convicted in a court of law of thievery or robbery. What I am saying is that every single one of us from time to time has taken something that wasn't ours to take, whether it's a mother load of Halloween candy or something else. So, at the top of the list of stealing, or at the bottom of the barrel, depending on how you look at it, would be just out-and-out -out robbery, right? None of us would do that, right? Of course not. But there are lots of other less obvious ways that we take things that are not ours to take. For example, imagine you're walking down the street and you see a $100 bill sitting right there on the sidewalk. You're sitting right there on the sidewalk. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you could try to find the person who dropped it. Or you could turn it into the police or City Hall here in Piedmont or whatever and hope that somebody who lost it could come back and collect it. Or you could just leave it on the ground. Or <clears throat> you could just keep it for yourself. After all, finders, keepers, losers. We all know that. But then in the 23rd chapter of Exodus, we find this verse. When you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey going astray, you shall bring it back. Now, clearly a donkey is a bit bigger, and <laughs> you'd be more aware that you had lost it than a $100 bill, perhaps. But the point is this, that even if it's your enemy's donkey, the Bible says you're required to do everything you can to return it to its proper owner. Because in a society like, like in ancient Israel, having an animal to do all sorts of labor-intensive work could be the difference between life and death for you and for your family. So knowing this, keeping a lost donkey and not trying to help its rightful owner would be stealing. And so would keeping that $100 bill if you don't do everything you can in order to return it to its owner, the person who lost it. Since you don't know if that's the last money that that person has on the face of this earth. Now, I know, easier said than done. Easier said than done. But ethics isn't always easy. So how about this? You're at a restaurant and you notice on the bill that the waiter has not put down one entree and a whole round of drinks that you bought. It's not accounted for in the bill. What do you do? What do you do? Do you point out the mistake on the bill? Or do you just keep quiet, pay what's written down, and go on your merry way? There's lots of ways we can rationalize that. But honestly, not paying the full amount you owe is stealing, both from the restaurant and from the waiter. And the Eighth Commandment forbids it. After all, we know how tough a time restaurants are facing these days, and we all know that waiters rely on tips to make a living. So you've got to try to do the right thing. Or how about this? 
Have you ever failed to report all of your income on your taxes? I'm not going to raise, ask anybody to raise hands or anything. I mean, for as long as we human beings have been forced to pay taxes, we've tried to find ways to avoid it. Just part of life. But here's the thing. If you don't pay what you legally owe, are you just being smart, like uh, some powerful voices in our society want to teach us? Or are you stealing, both from the government and from vulnerable people who are relying, most likely, on the government, the state, providing them a social safety net? Have you ever left a dent on somebody's car and not left a note saying that you would pay for the damages? Have you ever stolen somebody else's uh, precious time by consistently being late? Or have you ever taken credit for work that somebody else did? I could go on and on and on, but you get the picture, right? You get the picture. There are countless ways we take what isn't ours to take or keep what isn't ours to keep. Sometimes we're aware of it, sometimes we're not. But beyond the ways we may violate the Eighth Commandment in our own lives, our society can either encourage us to steal or cause us to look the other way when it happens. So, in the history of interpretation of the, the Ten Commandments, especially this commandment, in the history of interpretation, which goes back several thousand years, it is often pointed out that the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, may originally have been targeted at the practice of stealing human beings and making them into slaves. That's because, in part, the Hebrew word for steal, ganab, is the same word for kidnap. Of course, today we, we would all consider slavery to be a horrible, evil, immoral, a form of theft of stealing somebody's liberty, freedom, their humanity. But in the ancient world, it was widespread, accepted, even in the Bible. It's accepted in most societies. Most people, of course, who became slaves were captured in a war and turned into slaves by the victorious army, sold into slavery. But what was wrong, according to the Bible, was to enslave a person who was a member of your own group, of your own community. Because apparently what happened is that many Israelites were kidnapped by other Israelites and sold into slavery. So that form of human stealing was considered a heinous crime with the penalty of death, yet at the same time it was perfectly acceptable to turn a conquered enemy into a slave, which would appear to be a rather serious contradiction to our modern way of thinking. Of course, we have our own version of this. We call it human trafficking, and it is another horrific practice even if it's more widespread than we would like to think. Most victims work in the sex trade, but you can find them engaged in all sorts of jobs all around us, may have even hired one or two in our own lives. And clearly the Eighth Commandment forbids that. But what about a practice that is even more widespread and which lots of people consider perfectly acceptable these days? That is, 
not paying employees a fair or a living wage. I'm not going to get into all the economic arguments about this. I'm just going to share this quote from the Bible, from James chapter 5. Listen, you rich people. The wages of the laborers who harvested your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And their cries have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And clearly the Lord of hosts isn't too happy about it. You hear this over and over and over in the Bible that one of the primary responsibilities we have in a society is to take care of one another. To love your neighbors as yourself, to see each person as a beloved child of God and to see to it that each person has what they need, not just to survive, but to flourish in life. That's the consistent message of Jesus, too. Even if it can come across to us today as kind of radical or naive or just not understanding how the world works according to the way we understand things. Because we live in a time when it is, we're told consistently to uh, put our own selves or our own self-interest first to keep an eye on the bottom line or in return on investment, things like that. And I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with that. It's the society we live in. In fact, most of us assume that's just how the world works. But that is not how people understood the world in biblical times. Because for the Jewish people, the rightful owner of everything that exists is God. Everything. Going all the way back to the story of creation in the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we hear that God made human beings to be what? To be stewards, to be managers of God's property. That is everything in the earth. Now, some people might have more property, we call them rich, and some people might have less. But no one owned things in private that is responsible only to themselves. Everything was owned in trust to God, to the community, and to future generations. And as we hear all the time, especially in the words of the prophets, if these responsibilities are not met to take care of the community, and especially the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the aliens in your midst, the Bible says over and over and over again, if you don't do that responsibly, God is going to take that stewardship away and give it to somebody else. Why? Because everything belongs to God including us. You may remember a story in the New Testament where a wealthy young man comes to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, in part, do not steal. And the man immediately responds, I don't steal. I've never stolen anything in my life. I follow all the commandments. And then Jesus says, that's fantastic. Now, take everything that you own and give it to the poor. But on hearing that, the young man, we hear in the Bible, walks away dejectedly, for he had many things. You see, what Jesus is getting here at here isn't just that it's simply you shouldn't steal stuff. No. 
He's getting underneath the surface of the commandment and discovering its heart. And that's what Steve and I have been trying to do this sermon series we've been preaching for the last nine weeks. We have been trying to get beneath all these negative laws of you shall not do this, you shall not do that, to find the positive core that is the rule for how you're supposed to live in life, for how God wants us all to live and flourish. So, what's the rule of life that's underneath the commandments, do not steal? Well, it's not just that you shouldn't take what isn't yours to take. That's important. But it's not just that. It's that you should take what you have and however you can take care of people in need. That's what God wants us to do with the stuff that God trusts us to manage. That's a clear message throughout Scripture, and you find it in the passage from Ephesians that I put uh, in the bulletin, where Paul is talking to a bunch of new Christians. They've just become Christians or Gentiles. And, and so he's telling them about the meaning of the new life in Christ. And this is what he says. So then, putting away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Those who steal must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor, doing good work with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Now, it's interesting enough to consider the fact that it was well known in the church in Ephesus that there were a bunch of crooks there, bunch of thieves. But more than that, the reason to give up thieving isn't just because it's wrong. It's that it keeps you from sharing with those in need. And doing whatever it is that feeds our own wants, it's not that. It's not doing, it's if you're keeping things for yourself and stealing things from other people, You're not doing to others what you would have them do to you. Those words should sound kind of familiar, right? In other words, stealing, taking what isn't yours, doesn't just violate the Eighth Commandment. It goes directly against the golden rule. Now, let me take this opportunity to make yet another confession that I, too, have violated the Eighth Commandment. And not just taking Halloween candy (laughs) when I was 10 years old. I mean, to be honest, one time I even kept a a $20 bill that I found on the sidewalk. It wasn't $100, but it was a $20. And I look after my own self-interest and the interests of my family all the time without thinking about how it impacts other people. That's, That's part of what life is like in our culture. I'm pretty sure we've all done that. So I rely on the spirit of truth and of mercy and of justice and of love to guide me, to turn me around, to to turn me around both in my desire to possess things and in what I do with the stuff that I have so that it doesn't come to possess me. And I hope and pray that that same spirit does the same thing for you in your life as well. 
Now, next week, we're going to get more into this issue of possession in more detail as we look at the 10th commandment, which is the one that tells us not to covet what belongs to our neighbors. So, let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for your constant presence, for your consistent call to tell the truth and to be good stewards of your creation. May we learn more and more what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do to others what we'd have them do to us or for us. And may we grow into our stature as disciples, brothers and sisters of Jesus. Each one of us is a member of his body along with all the rest of us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.